RadioInfluence.com. Welcome in, guys. This is the A Place for My Head podcast. My name is Jerry Pintuck. He is Brandon Thompson. Been a busy week, as you know. If you heard uh, last week's show, Brandon's been out of town. Uh, he just flew back in from Oklahoma. And uh, you doing all right? I'm here. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm good. That's about all that could be expected. Yeah, yeah. It's It was it was uh, quite a week. Quite a week. Quite a week, to say the least. To say the least, but I am here. I'm sure. If, if you missed last week's episode... Uh, Brandon's grandfather passed away and unexpectedly he had to fly out to the booming metropolis known as Lawton, Oklahoma. We joked about that last week. Yeah, the birthplace of me. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, when when we last spoke, uh, it was a couple days before the uh, service, the memorial. And, um, you know, you heard him talk about his grandfather being, uh, you know, pretty high up in the military ranks and, you know, looking forward to the military. I shouldn't say looking forward to, but you, you can, know. you can, cause I was, yeah, it's an experience. I've gone through it a time or two. Yeah. No. Uh, I, and, and I absolutely was. Cause, uh, uh, as you know, I saw him before he passed and, uh, you know, I, I spoke to him then and I spoke to him after he passed for a good long while. So I kind of made my peace. It was almost it's really hard to explain, to be honest, because throughout the whole thing, that's usually like the hardest part, you know, during a viewing or any type of service ceremony and all that kind of stuff. I found myself stronger than usual. Um, and I've been in those situations like more times than I would actually like to be. Um, but I think I was just so proud to see him looking sharp and in his uniform and, you know, proud to see that flag on him and, uh, he was buried in a beautiful casket that was uh, just black and just trimmed out real well. And it had um, his the army seal inside of it. So like when it was open, like it was just so perfect for what it needed to be. And I was just proud to see him like that. And, and you know, there were other things that, uh, you know, I personally had to do for him with the Masons and stuff like that and make sure those rituals were done and he was uh, buried appropriately with things that he needed to be buried with and stuff. So I, you know, there are a whole bunch of things I had to step up and do. Um, so it was, it was important that I had that strong, I guess, uh, mentality at the time and, you know, fly home, get home, then you can collapse. Right. <laughs> right. You don't think about it while you're going through it. No, it's almost like adrenaline, man. Hey, that, well, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Or maybe it is adrenaline. I'm not sure, but you got, you know, you got fighting relatives, you got grieving relatives, you have confused relatives, you have some that can be present, some that can't. And you, you know, just like all the other fucked up shit in life, you have to figure out, like dial into your, gather your bearings, dial into the bullshit maneuver bob weave and fucking get to the end goal which is you know doing what was right for him yeah i would say we talked about it last week you know times like this bring out the best and worst in people Mm -hmm. all at the same time so hopefully the pettiness and the the bickering and arguing and fighting and bullshit yeah what was was kept to a minimum because i know that was something you were kind of concerned about i was concerned about it and it definitely happened you know without a doubt there are elements of everything that i was worried about that actually happened and you know that's all right but if I look at it holistically, big picture, and I think about the entire week, the majority of the problems weren't what I was worried about. The majority of the problems kind of came with everything that had to do with my OPA, right? And it was it was pretty, some comical to an extent, which is fucked up to say, but... but uh, look, at times like this, if you can't find something to laugh at, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. I'm speaking from experience on that. I mean... I mean, just, just little things like, I mean, the funeral director, I'm my, you know, I'm holding my Oma and we're picking out caskets and stuff and, you know, family, I'm not trying to get personal on this thing, but these, the people that, that, that tune into us, uh, really, uh, I think they, they, uh, identify with us and we want to identify with them. So I try to be as transparent parent as possible. So I love y'all and I'm not gonna get too crazy. Um, you know, but. I love the disclaimer. <laughs> just saying, I got to say something, but just saying like the, the funeral I'm holding, you know, my Oma and her, her husband has passed of, of 58 years, you know, um, of marriage and, and, and she's having a hard time picking it. I'm picking out a casket as anyone should have a hard time in that moment. Right. And we had been, I don't, he, we weren't blown off by the funeral director, but he was having, uh, like spill time, if you will, with another family. 
I guess it was a uh, it's in season uh, to die in, in, in right now in Oklahoma. So uh, they, they were you it's know in season. Yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> the, those things were hot coming so, off the so counter. It's like it's like. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the way they fucking presented it, man. That's how I felt. That is how I felt. I felt like we were in line at the deli. You got a ticket. You went in there. You pick your shit. And you get out. Now serving number ninety eight. Exactly. Exactly. That's how they made me feel. That's fine. And it's and, and especially when this guy comes up and he's like, "Oh, you like that one? I can give you a discount." I was like, "Dude, dude," and he kept saying discount, discount, discount. I'm like, "Oh man, if this motherfucker said discount to her one more time." This is not going to be good. Not going to like, how do you fucking <laughs> say you're going to sell a goddamn casket at discount rate? Like you want to save $200 or $500 or whatever. But then it was kind of funny. Cause maybe that, maybe that meant something to her. Cause I'm pretty sure she said, well, I'm tax exempt too. So I'm like, uh. <laughs> he was like, that's $500 right there. Now that you say something, I'm like, fuck this, man. I don't know what's going on. All I can do is be there for her. But there were just things Well, and now like you that. guys have a, a running inside joke that's going to last forever now. Oh, yeah. And she didn't know I was pissed. I was fuming. You get back in the car and all of a sudden done. I was like, oh, my. She's like, yeah. Discount? Really? If he said that one more time, I'm so pissed. And she was like, oh, oh, honey, it's okay. I'm picturing Aaron Rodgers doing the discount double check. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, if it's just that's phenomenal. As long as we can make light of this shit, but yeah, a lot of things like that just continued to happen. It was really strange, and um, you know, like the goddamn limo door didn't work. We couldn't get out when we got to places, and like I was telling you before, like it's just little things. I'm looking over the shoulder of the driver and checking in lights flashing. I'm like, what? It's like the twilight zone all over again, man. It and and. All these different things, and my Oma whispering, whispering in my ear, this is so ghetto, ghetto. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> and, it, but all in all, man, it was really I, my pride for him and, uh, and how proud I was for him and for my daughter to meet him, not only before he passed, but to be so strong during all that and seeing her tear up at weird moments that I, you never thought in a million years that a five year old would even understand or have compassion for, right? So uh, it was beautiful. It was ugly. And I think it was everything it should have been. You know, Dude. I don't think I would go back and change it. Well, there's a few things I would change. But, um, you know, I think a lot of us agreed that we would definitely pick a different funeral home. But that's what he wanted. So we did what he wanted. Right. So a lot of ups and downs, uh, <sighs> a lot of laughs, a lot of cries, a lot of difficult moments. But. Oh, that's kind of expected, but I was kind of surprised going into it, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm stubborn, man. I'm, I'm an asshole. Like I'm an asshole when I want to be like, I'm that, I'm that person when like you do me wrong and I just, I, it's not even holding a grudge. It's just, I just shut off to, to that person and I shut off to a few different people in this scenario. And it was like, I had, I had to be strong for him and, and, and my own and stuff like that. And the main things I was worried about ended up being all right. They weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. I mean, some of it did happen, but it, it was, it was on a level of things that needed to be focused on and paid attention to. It was at a nine, you know, and other things were at one and two and three. Right. So, um, and there were some other personal things that happened on that trip that, uh, we can sidebar, but I'm not going to talk about, but, uh, that really just were insanely eye opening to me. And, uh, I'm thankful that I was able to fly the family out there to, you know, to be there for everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm you know, I'm very thankful that I got to say goodbye, uh, in both, both, uh, scenarios, you know, while living and, and, and passed away. Uh, and my daughter got to meet her great grandfather, you know, so there are a whole bunch of good, there was a whole bunch of good in this trip. Uh, that definitely outweighs the bad and, and, you know, seeing that, uh, that military, uh, uh, traditional with honors funeral ceremony was, you know, it was beautiful, even though it was wrapped under eight blankets cause it was the coldest day of the year in Lawton, Oklahoma, go figure. Um, and wind was just, just blowing us all away. Like we had planes, <laughs> Another thing to laugh at because I had all these different things planned out and I bought, I bought um, a whole mess of flowers and I got for the, for the immediate family, I bought two dozen, I want to say two dozen uh, like free uh, long stem roses. And the whole idea was 
to take the long stem roses and pass them out to the immediate family. And as we said goodbye, you can lay one on top of the casket, right? Right. It was so fucking windy. No one did that. Everybody was cold. No one did it. And we probably would have blown off anyways. Well, me, I got everyone situated in the limo. I'm an icicle and I ran right back up to the casket. My opens, you know, said my final goodbye. And I put the rose on top of the coffin and I turned my head before I let it go. And I just ran and I got in the limo and I was in, uh, I think it was my mom or something like that. And, and I go, I'm pretty sure I put that thing on there. And the second I left my hand uh, off of it, it got blown away, but I didn't see it. So it's still there in my mind. And, and my mom was like, oh, yeah, I blew the fuck away. It's gone. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> awesome. It's like one of those Seinfeld moments. Yeah, exactly. You put it on. Yeah, it, it's gone. It's gone, dude. On you. And I know you didn't have to. T- I know. I know it's gone. Just let me have it. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I know it blew away. And one of those guys that are cleaning up right now just picked it up and just it's in their armpit at this point. Probably they're trying to hold on to it. I'll say I remember um, my grandmother passed away back in 96. And anybody that knows me knows how tight her and I were. I mean, we all lived in the same house my entire life. So it's not like it was like she was there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're talking about finding humor in in people's passings and, and, and in, in times of tragedy. Uh, a, she passed away on February 29th. Mm, leap year leap day. Leap year. I was just about to say. Some, whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. Yeah. Got leap it. year day. So it's like. All right. Well, th- knowing her, that's appropriate because she didn't do anything normal, much like I don't. Um, but the night before <clears throat> her service, um, I've got—I don't know how to explain it. I, oh, I call them aunts, but they're not related. Does that make sense? They're just really close family friends, but they're like aunts to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I okay. have a bunch of that. Okay, so my mom and and two of her best friends. I mean, going all the way back to when they were kids, um, my mom roller skated as a kid, was a figure skater, was actually really good, competed mm-hmm. at nationals when she was a kid. And I mean, she was actually pretty good. Um, so it was her girl she skated with and their coach who was a few years older. Well, the coach who later in life became an Episcopalian minister, which is hysterical if you know her because she's a trip. I mean, like. She's the type you just never know what's going to come flying out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. And then you look and she's got a her collar on. It's like, what the fuck? <sighs> Anyways. Whiskey. Yeah. So, so the friend and, and both friends flew into town and, you know, it was the Episcopalian minister that did the service for my grandmother because my, my grandmother basically raised, you know, had a hand in raising both of them, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so one of my lasting memories from, from that service was the night before I'd never seen my mother so much as even hold a Bud Light in her hand. Like my mom never drank mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> I love your face. You're like, do too. Uh, the night before the three of them getting royally shithouse drunk on something and literally being under the kitchen table, singing the song, tiny bubbles at the top of their lungs. <laughs> and I'm a senior in high school going, I am in some weird bizarro world right yeah, now. Yeah. So you got to find humor. And that's the way, truthfully, that's the way my grandmother would have wanted it. I mean, she didn't want people to, you know, whatever, but I, you've got to find humor in times like that. Yeah. You've got to find something to laugh at because if you don't, you're only going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point. It helps get you through the situation, the uncomfortable times and the difficult scenarios and stuff. And, oh uh, yeah. So, well, good. I'm, I'm glad everybody came through and, the drama was at a minimum yep, really as was. much as possible Yep, and uh, everything's good to go. So, well, this week, uh, which was going to be last week, but anyways, stuff happens, right? Exactly. Life. This week, you know, we had talked last week about doing a show and I don't know if anybody's seen it or not, but it's well worth the 90 minutes out of your life to, to see this documentary on HBO it's called Ernie and Joe Crisis Cops. Now, it came out November of 2018, so it's a little over a year old. Yeah. But it's phenomenal. Yeah. And I'm so glad you found it because I got this message from you one night. Just random goes. I was on vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I was skiing. And yeah. we were just surfing because I bring my, my uh, I usually bring like Roku and my fire and whatever works best in the hotel room. We, you know, I sign into it and just watch my regular programming and, and we spend a lot of time in the, in the rooms, uh, just cause you know, we get to sleep and then go ski and all that kind of shit. But I was just documentaries. This is the time we just watch every documentary we can. <laughs> and this thing came up and I'm like, 
holy shit, we we need to talk about this. And that's why I was like, watch this, watch it. Watch yeah, it was it. like the most <laughs> random thing. You're like in capital letters, watch this, watch this, watch this, yeah, watch this. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I think he wants me to watch this. Yeah, maybe, I've, maybe, just maybe. But uh, it, it, it's it's phenomenal. And if you haven't seen it, basically the premise is it's these two San Antonio cops who basically form their own mental health unit at, at the San Antonio Police Department. And I, I, truthfully, I'd never even heard of that before. I didn't even know it existed, but these guys are on the forefront of it and now they're popping up all over the country. And just think about that for one second and how it relates to everything that we always talk about, especially with men. These guys spearheaded this campaign. One started it and the other one met, they met each other and then they partnered up and did this. Right. And they get the same kind of flack that we did as kids. Mm -hmm. Like some of the other officers are like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Like, like, seriously, what are y'all doing? Yeah. So, and they have to fight through that minutia, if you will, to to focus on the bigger picture. Well, I've got my notes. I, I, I literally sat there with a notepad and just jotted stuff down. Same. And the one said something that I literally stopped, paused it, and rewound it like three times to listen to it because I thought it was such a great quote. And, you know, he's in front of a, an entire auditorium full of cadets, you know, trying to teach them. You know, the ins and outs, the rights and wrongs. And he literally goes, he says, quote, 90% of the calls you deal with will involve someone in emotional distress that just needs someone to show up and show that they give a damn. Mm -hmm. And I stopped it. I was like, son of a bitch. I never thought about it like that. And and there are so many different things we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about it from this angle. But we're also going to talk about it from the angle of. Through the eyes of the police, because. Put yourselves in their shoes and some of the stuff they see. How do they cope with it? But we'll we'll get to that. But, you know, if if you think about that, 90% of the calls that the cops get deal with some kind of trauma, emotional distress, mental illness. And and you you don't think about it because you just think, oh, yeah, now these two people are fighting. Yeah, no. Oh, it's a domestic, you know, husband, wife, whatever. It's, you know. But it's like, okay, there are legitimate issues that prompted this. Yeah. I mean, I think they said one in five Americans have been, you know, have a mental disorder of some sort. I'm surprised it's not more than that. I was shocked too a little bit. I think, I think it's more. I think more. they're probably under that. Might that. Be, that might be one in five Americans diagnosed maybe. I think that's a fair <laughs> statement. Yeah. So, but I mean, let's just, let's just kind of start from the beginning then because uh, I stepped in here and I told you I didn't want to have too many discussions before this, but. I personally hated how it started and that's just me. Well, I think the, and, and, you know, we don't want to talk too inside baseball because not everybody's seen it yet. True. But, um, I understand where you're coming from with it. Um, I just think it teed it up a little poor in my opinion. I I think that's fair. And and go ahead. Explain. Well, I don't want to give it, give it away too much, but, uh, well, no, but I mean, you you can't, we don't want to leave people hanging either. If they're, if they're not going to see it, Brandon messed up. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's just the, the whole, this, the whole documentary was just fantastic. And if, 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 if they could have just started out with those two guys and their story and right. what they, and all the successes they've had in the failures and just the whole thing, it would have been perfect. But they, I guess they just, you know, I guess that's uh it's a craft too. It's an art at the same time, these documentaries and directors and, RT people, they want to, you know, set a mood, set a tone. And that's what I think they tried to do in the beginning. You know, it was just an unfortunate situation with, I think it was actually, I think it was a real situation. Actually, I don't, it wasn't like dramatized. It was actually, real, yeah, it was. I think it was real footage of, you know, uh, it would seem like someone that had uh, mental problems and was shot and killed, I think. And I just think the documentary could have been, it could have been without that, honestly, because it kind of teed it up like, we're gonna we're about to watch a whole series of bad cops is what it, what it set it up to be right and in this country and in the in these times with people getting shot and wrong wrongful deaths and all that kind of stuff it was just a little on the well I think I, I think they kind of did that as a way to set up where they were going with it because after that the one uh, I, I believe it was Ernie tells a story about a similar situation where there was a guy with a gun in his driveway and he mm-hmm. talks about it was actually whole, a lady it was a female you're right you're right 
lady with a gun in her driveway and the whole SWAT team is there. Mm-hmm. And he, he just goes, has anybody even talked to her? No, because and they're he, like, no, because they're ready to go apeshit because obviously when a cop hears, you know, hey, we've got a disturbance, there's a gun. The first thing they hear is gun. The one and only word they hear is gun. Yeah. All the other shit, all they hear is gun. Right. And they're like, Look. well, and, and to their defense, I get it. Yeah, I totally understand. Right. So, you know, he shows up to the scene and they've got like full SWAT team. They're ready to eliminate this chick. And he just stands up, walks up to her and goes, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know, he, he turns around and he looks, he goes, all of these people are ready to get rid of you. Yep. What's, what's really going on? And he was able to defuse the situation and it was eye opening. Yeah. Cause he, he, he talked with her and not necessarily to her. Right. And he, he was like, I'm worried right now. Uh, not for me. I'm worried for you because I don't think you want to do this right now. I think you're dealing with something that you can talk about and you can, you can get through this. And I know it's going to be tough. This might not be the way out, but I'm scared. There's 40 something cops out there with, you know, their fingers on a trigger right now waiting for the wrong move. And th- then there's nothing I can do at that point. Right. But what we could do is talk about what's going on. Why are you here with a gun to your head? Why? And he diffused the situation. Right. So, and it was just eye opening, you know? Well, uh, the compassion and, you know, the way that they approached law enforcement from a humanistic Mm -hmm. perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I look, I'm not saying it can always be done that way because obviously we've all seen the live PDs. We've all seen the, the shows where it's like, okay, they have no choice. They have to go in. They have to take care of business. But unfortunately, a lot job. Of, uh, absolutely. But unfortunately, a lot of times that gets lost in the translation of these are still people. Or, right, there's still people. And I know that you're trained and, and, and that's what your job is to just diffuse the situation. If there's a threat, eliminate the threat, eliminate the threat, Right. Yeah, diffuse it and eliminate the threat as quickly as possible. Possible with with zero casualties, if, right. if possible, right? And then it goes and you know they they said that I, you know it was the same. I think it was the same scene when um uh he had the cadets in the room and they're doing that training or whatever, and he was like sixty hours or more they spend training on guns. Sixty hours or more. I wonder why it's so like gun is just gun, then gun, 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 and only eight hours in their entire training on mental health. Um, and situations like that. I think that is, um, I don't know. It sucks to hear that, you know, cause if you balance that out a little bit more, maybe some of the situations that turned out to be, you know, I don't want to say tra- tragic cause they're doing their job, but maybe that, you know, things could have been a little different for many situations. Right. So mm, maybe that, maybe that, the, that training gets up to a little bit with the, with the times and, and the stuff we're dealing with on a daily basis. Right. And you know, these, these guys openly admit, look, we're not professionals. We're not mental health you know, experts, but we want to approach this from a different way that might be able to save some lives. Yeah. And you know, the, later on, you know, there was a woman at an overpass mm-hmm. uh, and, and this just blew me away the way they handled this woman. Um, yeah, she was high on something. She was ready to take her life. She was ready. She was going to jump off the overpass. And, you know, the, these two showed up on the scene. And, and keep in mind, they're they're in an unmarked car, street clothes. They're not dressed in full uniform because mm-hmm. they don't want to come across, you know, as an authoritative whatever. Yeah, because, well, yeah, I mean, come on. You know, you remember being a teenager if you got pulled over or when you're 20s and you're maybe up to no good or maybe not. Just, still... Cops are intimidating. Oh, absolutely. You know, no matter in what the situation is, they're intimidating. And, uh, you know, I kind of respect that, though, because I they need to be intimidating. Right. They need to have the authoritative, you know, approach and fearlessness and, and those things. But uh, people that aren't right in the mind or people that have done something wrong, um, you know, I've seen, you, like you just said, live PDs and all that stuff. Like, the guys that run on that show know they're about to go to jail because there's a warrant out for them mm-hmm. and they run and they automatically make it worse and right. they always get caught, you know, right. like, why'd you run? Got a warrant. 
well, we could have talked about it. <laughs> you know, right. we could have talked it way through it, maybe lessened all this shit. And we would just dealt with your warrant and that would have been it, you know? Right. But they just don't know. And I don't, I, I could be sounding ignorant, ignorant right now, but it's just, they don't want to go back to that place. And well, like, I think, I think it's human instinct to yeah. run. Yes. Yes. But you know, going, going back to this, this lady, yeah, she was hopped up on something mm-hmm. ready to jump off the overpass. And she's telling these cops, you know, don't come any closer. So instead he just sits down on the sidewalk and I was like, wow. That- I think, yeah. I think you said, I don't care how long it takes. We, we'll be here all night. Yeah. If it makes a difference and I get, you know, I get to save someone. I'll, I'll do it for 50 hours. I'm there. I'm committed at that point. And that's, that's what happened. But he literally sat down yeah. on the sidewalk. Yeah. And as soon as he did that, that woman let her guard down and you could, mm-hmm. you could physically, you could actually physically see it. Mm-hmm. Five minutes later, she's off the, the railing for the overpass. And they're sitting there on the sidewalk in the middle of the road off, you know, right there on the road mm-hmm. where he closed the lane off with his cop car and they're just sitting there talking. Yep. And these two guys saved this woman's life. Yeah. I mean, cause at that point, not to say that they're not regular cops, but at that point, usually when you get a chance to pull someone out of the situation that they're in, there's no talking afterwards. They just grab you, right. throw you in cuffs and throw you in the back of the car. They literally just sat down next and they're like, all right, now what's going on? Right. Took it a whole step further. So, you know, they, they walked her through the steps. She's like, no, I've done this. No, I've done this. No, I can't do that. And finally he, he hit on one that she hadn't tried. Mm-hmm. And both guys literally drove her to this. I, I don't want to call it a rehab center, but that's basically what it was. Yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a, and, a treatment center. Yeah. yeah. A treatment center. Thank you. I couldn't find the word. Um, but basically they said, here's my cell phone number. And they kept tabs on her mm-hmm. and have kept tabs on her throughout the whole documentary. Yes. Cool, man. <laughs> and and this woman's doing at, well, at least at the end of the documentary, she's doing great. You know, she's had some hiccups openly and they, they document those, but from where she was oh yeah, to where she ended up in, at the end of that movie or documentary, mm-hmm. it was eye opening. It really was. And she looked healthy and happy and she had her family with her. Was she the one that said, you might kill my son one day? I don't think so. I, I wrote that I think down. That was a different. It was either the one that was, I think it, it was, I think it was actually the one that had the gun to her head mm-hmm. and SWAT team was out there and, and she's like, she didn't know what to do. She was right. having problems and she's like, you might be the one to kill my son one day. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's crazy. Um, and then to touch on that approach with the lady on the bridge, um, you remember the scene when the, when the guy was, I think he was probably wasted or something like that definitely drunk, but he was inside of a church. And they walked in and just sat in the pews and just waited for him to calm down. Mm-hmm. And he was scared of him. He's like, I'm, I, I'm scared of y'all. Like, I'm scared. He's like, there's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. Everybody, everybody in the whole place was scared of him. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to hurt anybody. And he's like, well, you're scaring some people, bro. Like, right. Sit down, talk to us. What's going on? Cause you're really scaring some people. And, and that's their commitment to their, to what, you know, and like, I've been talking to a lot of people, um, about uh about some of this stuff and you know you know doing interviews to get more people on the show and stuff like that and 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 i guess uh you know i said something and then i got i got a reaction to it because it seems like to identify it's sad but honestly true to identify with any of these things right that goes on in life that's troubling and try to be a positive person and do the things like we're doing today you unfortunately have to go through some fucked up shit on your own. Mm-hmm. And I was telling that to a couple that we'll, we'll hopefully have on, uh, on the show soon. And I said, I was like, it's just so unfortunate. Like, you know, she was like, my past is fucked up. And he's like, my past is fucked up. Um, and, and he's wrote a few books and, uh, I'm excited to, to have them on when we do. And I'm like, it's just, it's so unfortunate that we've all had to like, you know, we bear the scars of all this stuff, but we've come out of it. And now we're trying to change uh, the world, you know, just whatever the world. Um, we're just trying to make a difference. And it's just sad that we've all had to go through something to get there to, to help. And then she's like, well, if you if you think about it differently, it's already hard enough for people that have been through it to try to help people going through it. But if you're that person that approaches someone going through it and you haven't been through and you don't have the scars and you don't have the education and stuff like that, 
they're even more or less likely to take your advice, you know, or think that you have the best interest in, in for them, you know? And I'm like, God damn, I didn't even think about it that way. You know, one of the things that was said to those cadets, and again, this is another one of those quotes that I, I, I listened to and I went, son of a bitch. I went back, rewound it and listened to it a few times. We have to stay connected as human beings. If I unplug a lamp, it doesn't work. If I unplug a human being, it won't work either. Right. And I'm like, that's deep, mm-hmm. but it's spot on. Yeah. It's- and it piggybacks exactly what you just said. Right. Because, you know, people love to hear themselves give advice because everybody's an expert about everything. Right. But unless you've lived through it and someone knows you've actually lived through it, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. Right. I, I, I didn't even think of it that way. I, I kind of was dwelling on the fact that it sucks that we've all had to go through something to get here and try to be positive for other people and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, that's, that's, we went through it and, and now we're, we went through it to help someone else along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just nuts and crazy, crazy thing about. Yeah. And, and you know, when we launched, when we started talking about doing this podcast, that's exactly what I, what I told you. I said, look, I want in because I don't want people to go through the same shit I did. Yeah. 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 And that's why, I mean, I was telling some of my family over the weekend, I think <laughs> one of them was like, oh yeah, I've heard your, your show or whatever. I'm like, oh shit. Are you mad at me or anything? Okay. We're fine. Um, and I was just telling a couple of them because I haven't seen them in years and years and years and years. And, you know, they're interested in what I'm doing now and, uh, and my, my hobbies and what I'm focused on. And I was just telling them, I'm like, I'm, tr- I'm so transparent about things and I throw myself out there just hoping that something sticks and I, and we get a chance to talk to people and, and help them through their own bullshit and stuff like that. And, and <laughs> there was like a moment of clarity as we're sitting at Applebee's <laughs> on, on one road throughout the whole town. Um, and while, you're, while you're nibbling on your riblets, I had fajitas. <laughs> I did the, I did the loaded three way, whatever fajitas, like the, the top, top market price fajitas. Hey, and you know what? If Applebee's <laughs> wants to sponsor this podcast, feel free to hit us up. <laughs> oh, and I forget, I think it might've been my mom looked at me and was like, how, how the hell did you get into, you know, what you're doing or whatever? And I'm like, I got help just at a table with fucking like 20 people. Knowing you, I can hear you <laughs> saying that just like that. I was like, I got help. And then, you know, now I'm cool and I want to talk to people. So, and I don't think anything was said after that, honestly. It's, well, what did you really like, say after that? What did you get help for? What, 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 what? But, it, you know, it was just one of those moments. I'm just kind of chuckling. Well, and that's something we want to do this year with the podcast is we want to talk to more of you guys. You know, yeah. we want to get your stories. So, you know, feel free to hit us up. If you've got a story to tell, we want to hear it. Absolutely. You know, if, if you've got something that, you know, you think will help somebody else going through some shit. We want to hear it giddy up let's do it yeah because at the end of the day all we have is each other mm-hmm. so you know we're all in this i have said this before we're all in this crazy shit together yeah so we might as well row that boat in the same direction yeah but but yeah no going back to the the documentary though you know just the way that they they handled it and you know handled everything and you could tell the the one i, I believe it was joe was a military veteran openly admitted he deals with PTSD was in, you know, Iraq and, and all of that during, uh, you know, back when, when like Desert after nine 11. Yeah. yeah. No, I, no, that was before nine 11, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. But after, after the whole nine 11 thing and mm-hmm. yeah, openly admits that, you know, he deals with PTSD and has all some stuff that he's seen and been a part of right. and all that. Yeah. And, you know, has some family issues of his own because of the way he was, you know, the way he grew up. So he could relate to a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that, that we always talk about is, you know, being relatable. Right. And that's I mean, that helps him be passionate about what he does, because unfortunately, he's educated in what these people are dealing with. Yeah. Like we just talked about. Mm-hmm. It's hard to take advice from someone that hasn't lived it. Exactly. And, you know, this guy just connected with people. Mm hmm. And, you know, at one point, the, the woman that was on the on the overpass, you know, they go back to see her a couple months later and she says all the right things. They get done. He comes out. He goes, I'm not buying it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that part now. I was like, whoa. And the, the other two are like, oh, yeah, she's doing great. He's like, I'm not buying it. She's telling us what we what you know, she wants what us we, to hear. Yeah, exactly. 
And, you know. But the mere fact that they go and visit that lady yeah. on their own time, you know, just to go check on her. Just, it just, you know, there's still, I don't want to say there's still human beings out there, man, but there are people out there that give a shit. This is, you and I have a tendency of going way off. Like squirrel? Topic. Squirrel? Yeah. <laughs> Butterfly. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, a lot of this, again, and we've talked about this before, with the age that we live in with technology, people aren't communicating with each other anymore. No. And that's what these guys are doing. They're, they're going old school. And it's it, working. It works. They're not texting. They're not tweeting or, you know, whatever. It's so much easier to do. I mean, it's hard enough to pick up the phone and talk to someone, let alone go see someone face to face. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, when you take into account, the good that these guys are doing now, there are mental health units in police forces all over the country, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's great. But again, like we just said, it's hard to listen to someone that hasn't lived through it. Yeah. Now everybody's quick to jump and I'm not going soapboxy here. So just follow me for a minute. A lot of people jump on the police and yes, there are dirty cops out there. Mm-hmm. But it's just like celebrities and athletes that we hear about. We only hear about the bad ones. Right. We We rarely hear about the 98% of the good ones out there. Mm -hmm. And put yourself, again, to pull the, I'm going to go back to live PD because that's a perfect example. Put yourselves in the shoes of these cops. They have, they never have any idea what they are walking into. Every situation is different. I was watching live PD last night and this guy, you know, there's a, a, he's following a stolen truck. Guy's doing like 80 in a neighborhood. I mean, it's like ridiculous. They're following this guy. Mm -hmm. Guy spins out, hits a tree. Cop gets out of his car. All of a sudden the guy in the car, in the truck starts shooting at him. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. It's like, it's for them. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there there are stats that support this. But like one of the most dangerous things a, a, an officer does on a daily whatever is a traffic stop, just Absolutely. a routine traffic stop because you don't know what you're walking into. One of the most interesting things I've seen, if you notice, anytime a cop does a traffic stop, when he's walking up to the window of the car, mm-hmm. he touches the back of the car. Have you ever noticed that? No. They always touch the back of the car. And that's so if something goes wrong, his fingerprints are on that car. Oh, I've never, that's a, that's a fun fact. I never noticed that. They, huh. they had this long conversation about it on, I'm a live PD junkie, but, uh, <laughs> but, but they explained it. And now every time I see it, I'm like, I know what you're doing. Wow. But, but yeah, every, every traffic stop, whichever side the, the cop is on, they'll mm-hmm. touch the brake lights. Wow. Well, because you just never know. No, you don't. You don't. Hell, every time I get pulled over, man, I pull over, engine off. Oh, windows are down. I'm at two and ten. Like <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. And they still give me a ticket. But I was like, at least you felt safe. <clears throat> exactly. But going back, my head is all over everywhere today. So sorry. Me too. Going back to, to where I was going with that though, you know, put yourself in, in, in the shoes of these cops, you know, every day you leave your house, not knowing if you're coming home, mm-hmm. you know, you've got families to worry about. You've got kids to worry about. You've got, you know, all this shit and not knowing if you're ever going to come back every day, every day you go to work, you know, and Again, you only hear about the asshole cops, but you'd never hear about the good ones. Yeah, because the news, that's, it's not newsworthy to talk well about a police officer, right? No. <laughs> I mean, you know, they want to tell the juicy stories as opposed to, uh, you know, people doing good out there. News is kind of negative sometimes and not local news. I think it's, it's more like network. Right. But, well. But think about, think about the stuff these people see. Oh my God. Yeah. Car accidents. Even these guys. I mean, he talked about it. Like yeah. Cause they, I mean, they, they still do street work. Right. They do. Yeah. And like he will, I, the guy has a lot of kids, so he 
he works his ass off basically. Um, and, and his passion is the crisis stuff, but he's still a traffic cop when he needs to be and when he can be. But, you know, he's sitting there saying, I think he was on in, he was a traffic, traffic cop cop at the time when he ran into an incident, you know, the little lady on the bridge, they got to save her because they were, you know, doing the crisis unit thing. And then, but he still has to see the unfortunate side of that, that business and, and, and what they do. And he watched a man, you know, jump off and then, that was, you know, obviously commit suicide. Besides seeing it, he goes, the sound of it. The sa- yeah, the sound. Because was, that's something um, you don't forget. You don't forget it. And he can, it, you, you can you just hear it over and over. And interestingly enough, and I am not shocked about what they said, um, that they, uh, they deal with survivors that have jumped or survived the suicidal attempt. And he said every single one of them that they talked to after the attempt in the hospital or something like that in the moment. And as they did the act, as they jumped off, whatever it was, whatever the case may be, they immediately regretted what they did. And they, and they, and they expressed that after the fact. So, I don't know. It's just troubling to hear, troubling to hear. It's like, you know, that, that one thing that you sent me the other day that people that commit suicide don't want to die. They just don't want to feel pain anymore. <clears throat> How's this for a number? Uh, the number of police officers who died by suicide in 2019 was more than double the number killed in the line of duty. 132 cops were shot and killed in the line of duty last year. 132. Uh-huh. I'm surprised it's not more than that, but 132. It's a lot. 228 suicides in the police force. Mm. Why? I wonder how many were men. I bet you that's an overwhelming number. I, oh, I'm sure it is because, I mean, there, there are a lot more male cops than female cops. Right, but not just because of that, though, because men are more likely to, to right. you know, go through with something like that than, yeah. than women are. That's a, that's a crazy number. Yeah. What are we doing to help these guys? Nothing apparently. What what are we doing? <laughs> like we're not doing anything. Does it seem like that's the problem? Yeah, that's that's the that's the damn problem. Yeah, and like what you said, like with the other, you know, uh, you know, um, states and cities and bringing on more uh, crisis teams like this and stuff. I wonder about that training, like the sixty hours or more with the gun and only eight on mental uh, situations and stuff like that. Mental training, mental health training. Um, that's, you know, how do you qualify someone to be part of the crisis unit when you're, you know, deep down that the only person that can help someone like that is someone who has to be there. So it's like, Oh, you, okay. You want to be part of our unit? How fucked up are you? <laughs> you know? Well, people, like I said, people are so quick to jump on the bad cops and yeah, they exist, but were they always bad cops? What led them to that point? Look, we all know there are asshole people in this world. There are racist people. There are bigoted people. There are just assholes everywhere. Yes. Okay. I'm a firm believer that sometimes people are just born bad. I get that. But that's not always the case. Right. You know, so when you hear of a cop that snapped and lost his shit and something went south quick, what got him to that point and could it have been prevented? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I would say almost, I mean, I don't know, 90%. I, I, there's always that chance of preventing one of those things from happening. So if they're going to put in all this commitment for others and helping others, but what are we doing for them? Like, where's the, where's the budget that, that allocates time for the officers and, and don't get me wrong. Like we've all watched, you know, movies and we're, you know, like, the diehards and you know, what's the one with Mel Gibson and Lethal Danny Weapon. Glover. Yeah. All that series and stuff. And he had to go talk to the shrink all the time. Like, I wonder how real that is. Like, yeah, they trivialize, trivialize it. Yeah, exactly. It, it may, it, it's negative. It's I'll, a punchline. It, exactly. Like they go, Oh, go see the, aren't you supposed to see the doc? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it comes down to that, you know, <laughs> Being a man, being a strong man, and like you having to go see a psychiatrist. Shit. The Sopranos. The Sopranos. That was like one of the biggest part of all of that was him, his relationship and him going to see his 
therapist. Is this where I admit I've never seen five minutes of The Sopranos? Fuck me. <laughs> no. Edit that shit, too. <laughs> no. How, man? That's one of the greatest series oh, of my, all time. My wife laughs at me. I've never seen The Sopranos. I've never seen any of the Die Hard movies. <laughs> she's like, how have you lived? Oh, my God. Like you, ha- how do you, how do you not get through Christmas without watching <laughs> Die Hard? I've never seen this. <laughs> I've never seen thirty seconds of it. I'm sorry, guys. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. I know that line. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I mean the, the idea and the notion of of law enforcement going to see, <clears throat> you know, going to see a, a therapist or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's trivialized. Right. And, and like I said, it's a punchline and that shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't be the case. You know, these are the people that, you know, are on the front lines of everything going on, whether they're good or bad or what, whatever. These are the people when the shit hits the fan, you're going to pick up the phone and say, I need help. And I they're going to be help. right there. And they need to be healthy when they're, when they're helping you. And if they just left a whole scene of a mess and they shot someone, I mean, I think, I think there's protocol after that. Like they usually take, that officer, if they, you know, if they had to, you know, fire their firearm, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and they, they take them out and put them on leave for a little bit. Right. Evaluate that person. But, but what about the traffic cop that shows up to an accident where a family of four is all dead in a car accident? Same. Right. They, why, why, you know, these people have feelings and emotions and they're human. I don't care who you are. That shit's, you know. Oh, my God. It's tough to, would, tough isn't even the word to look at, but I mean, hell. Yeah, it explains the suicide rate, though. Yeah. You know, and, you know, to piggyback to the documentary, uh, Ernie and Joe Crisis Cops, again, go out of your way to see this. Yeah, it's really good. Because these are actually people that have made a difference, not only in their community, but in the country. Mm-hmm. Because they're changing the way policing is done. Yeah, and they touch on, on their struggles just a little bit, which, like you said, which wish they would have gone a little deeper but for the sake of what the what the purpose of the documentary was you know yeah the documentary wasn't about them, them it was about what they were doing exactly but they but they just like we keep saying you kind of have to go through your own struggles to I mean, identify yeah joe's even done ted talks mm-hmm. cuz i was dumbfounded i was like holy shit yeah i'm like that's kind of a big deal and you know the stuff that that he talked about and he addressed you know it's just he's like look we're all human We're all human. You know, we all have shit and we can all get through it without automatically jumping to that, that extreme or that next level. Right. You know, and that's, that's so important because not only in law enforcement, but in life. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just watch it. Yeah. Fucking watch it. It's, all of this will make sense and, and maybe some of the stuff will resonate a little bit differently for, for others. And, you know, what, what are those memes? It'll say something like blah, 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 blah. Change my mind. Like watch the opening of it. And maybe I, maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, change my mind. Uh, see what you guys think about it. Yeah. And we'd love to get your feedback, you know, hit us up on social media on, on Twitter in particular, use that hashtag, uh, hashtag, get it out and we'll see it. We'll definitely see it. So um, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, Want to do a couple plugs real quick. Uh, I believe it was, it wasn't last week. It was the week before that uh, you were on Sharon Feckety's podcast. It was, it was, it was last. It was before you went to Oklahoma. It was the day before I went to Oklahoma. So that would have been uh, Saturday, the 11th. Okay. I don't know if that's the day it came out. She said it was going to be within an hour. Oh, okay. So I think it did come out that day. Well, check it out. That podcast is called The Doctor Whisperer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm actually going to be her guest on Tuesday. That's going to be the 21st of January, uh, in case you're listening to it down the road, you know, listening to this down the road or whatever. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Again, her podcast is The Doctor Whisperer. Uh, we've got a lot of things on the agenda, a lot of things we want to dive into. And, you know, again, we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your stories. I talked to a friend of mine who I've known since high school. Uh, she's actually a social worker in the Orlando area. And her story is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, I would love to come on and talk to you guys. Bring it. 
Yeah. So, you know, we want to hit this from every angle, um, you know, and yeah, we'll get into her story. You know, it's probably in the next couple of weeks. I know uh, you wanted to talk to the, you know, the authors of, of those books that you. The Coburns. I, the Coburns. Those are coming up. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of things on the agenda and a lot of things we want to do. So we appreciate you guys taking this ride with us. Uh, again, you know, we normally come out every Monday. We're going to be a lot more consistent now that everything is done and out of the way. Um, you know, and, yeah, we just thank you guys for, for going on this this journey with us. Absolutely. And feel free to uh, tweet or at mention uh, Jerry and tell him to fucking watch Die Hard and uh, uh, Sopranos. It'll keep you busy for about two and a half months. There is a lot of them. Uh, so, so should I add the Godfather series to that, too? I'll let you pass on that. OK, I'll let you pass on that just because I myself haven't seen it. OK. But I, so what you're saying is <laughs> you and my wife are going to conspire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hi, Melissa. I was calling to say, has his fat ass watched on her? Yeah, I'm just wondering. <laughs> but, but all right, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for joining us this week. He's Brandon Thompson. I'm Jerry Pizza. This has been the A Place for My Head podcast. And guys, don't forget to hashtag get it out. Morning Show is back. Hi, it's MJ. Join me along with Froggy and Fester. We're going to bring you up to speed on what's been happening since our last show. We'll even reveal never-before-heard stories from the past, including some infamous controversies. This is the great MJ Morning Show that you remember. With regular new episodes, we'll even have some of the crazy cast of characters on, like Dave the Dwarf and more. The all-new MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, on the iHeartRadio app, and RadioInfluence.com.